The Medical College of Wisconsin Office of Student Health and Wellness presents Well, 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 where each episode a very special guest and I discuss what it means to be well in the world of health science education. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Well, Well, Well. Once again, no surprise here, I'm very excited about this episode and our special guest for today. Dr. Jeff Fritz, PhD, is currently director of the Kern Scholars Program in the Robert D. and Patricia E. Kern Institute for the Transformation of Medical Education. He also serves as an instructor in multiple courses in the first year of the medical school curriculum on the Central Wisconsin campus, with a secondary appointment in the Department of Cell Biology, Neurobiology, and Anatomy. As a Kern Scholar, his current research interest focuses on medical learner professional identity formation with emphasis on human flourishing from a neo-Aristotelian perspective. Dr. Fritz and I have a wonderful conversation about the idea of flourishing, what it means to flourish, and where wellness and flourishing might overlap and where there might be some differences. I hope that you all enjoy this episode. Be well. All right, Dr. Fritz, well, thanks for being here. I usually like to start um, with the podcast where I have guests with the question of what's one way that you've been promoting your wellness or taking care of yourself recently? A way that I've been taking care of myself. I noticed since the advent of COVID-19 and things moving more virtual that I felt like I was at work all the time and um, you know that phenomenon where you're like you feel like you're missing out um, mm-hmm. i just felt like there was always something i was missing and so i would sort of constantly be checking the various sources of technology to keep up with work and people and sorts of things that you know you normally couldn't really do because we found ourselves in a unique situation with covid 19. so it really caused me to reevaluate how i approached my self-worth and how I approached sort of work and trying to come through with specific priorities. So for example, I, I, I rescheduled my schedule and mm-hmm. really called myself into account of being like, okay, there are times in the day when you need to just take some time and break away from like the tyranny of virtual work. Um, so I, I really tried to set some hard and fast schedules like, okay, from 1230 to one, just take a half hour for yourself. And, um, maybe that means walking outside, or maybe that means, you know, doing reading in a book, um, related to that because of my need to always feel engaged with the world. Um, my eating habits also took a nosedive. Um, and so then I, I've, I made a, a specific goal at lunch that I would try to eat whole foods, meaning I'd have to have a salad, there'd have to be a piece of fruit. Um, so that so that lunch at least became a meal that was focused on something that took a little prep time. And then I moved that into breakfast as well, where I wouldn't eat like cereals and bagels and fast carbohydrates to eat. But I've, I know this doesn't seem like a big deal, but I now force myself to make two eggs in the morning just to like take a moment, slow down, yeah, it's something a little less processed. So I've tried to hit two of those areas of well-being, one related to sort of like thinking through work-life balance and the other one related to healthy eating. That's awesome. And I think so relatable. This isn't the first guest I've had where that idea of just COVID-19 sort of forcing us to be more intentional, 
you know, with our time and the way that we inject wellness or take care of ourselves, um, this intentionality piece where maybe it wasn't um, as necessary before, but now so crucial. Yeah, I think I sort of called it technology creep. Um, right. You know, you know, and, and initially we were worried we wouldn't be able to connect because of <laughs> COVID-19 restrictions. And now I felt like I'm, oh my gosh, I'm overconnected. Um, and I'm sort of an introvert by nature anyway. Um, so for me to be feeling overconnected yet being in a virtual environment was just a really new experience. So I think I, I, for me, it caused me to re-examine that whenever I transition into new experiences, I should try and think through my various well-being domains and see how I'm doing both sort of short-term good and long-term good. Right. And I think we've certainly learned that although when things started, it felt like this might be very temporary. And I think we've learned now that um, we will be living in sort of this different hybrid world for, you know, indefinitely, we'll say. And so re-examining and reflecting on these things is not just to get through the pandemic, right? I think that these are questions we need to be considering and changes we need to be making for, as you said, the, the long haul. Because yeah, I think we're probably going to adapt some of these technologies and approaches right. to life now that they're here. Um, I think even the folks who do more of the leadership of us will be thinking through how to redesign office workspace mm -hmm. and things to better accommodate the variety of approaches that come to work. Um, but I think it also then requires us when we're when we think about our own personal well-being and wellness, it's a new sort of mix to add into the the just advent of technology. And, you know, this has been happening, I think, all the time. I'm sure that when television came about, there was the same discussion of, oh my gosh, TV is ruining X, Y, and Z. And then we had to make adjustments. You know, I, I'm familiar enough with the concerns about screen time. Well, now screen time is like all the time. So mm -hmm. um, I, I just think, I think as we as people think through what it takes for us to be fulfilled, we will constantly be facing those new challenges and needing to take some time to adapt and reflect and maybe change habits to both meet the sort of challenges of work, but also the bigger challenge of feeling personally fulfilled. Yes. I know I've told you in the past about my interest in resiliency and I, it just makes me think of resiliency, right? Like that ability to adapt. Um, and absolutely we've needed it from the beginning of time, basically. Um, so jumping into our topic, flourishing, I this is this is a very broad kind of big question. But what does it mean to flourish? You know that, like anything, once you get if we get into academic definitions, we're going to have lots of different perspectives. But I but I think flourishing at its core has principles of feeling like your life is ultimately rewarding and that the actions you do day in and day out have deep personal significance and that the opportunity to do those activities is rewarding and sort of brings joy to your life in the opportunity that you get to do them. I hope I explained that somewhat clear. Um, it, it really is this deep sense of contentment with who you are as a human and how you get to express that in the moment day in and day out and then over the course of multiple days strung together. 
Yeah, I think that's great. And I know in a previous conversation you had mentioned to me, it's it's sort of all the same, you know, for everyone, the same, generally speaking, but there might be different approaches. So can you share a little bit about that idea? Sure. So some individuals, when we think about how to flourish as humans, we'll, we'll really try to emphasize the deep, resounding need for virtues and virtuous lifestyles and virtuous living. There will be an emphasis on character development and being able to make wise choices in the heat of the moment that show quality expressions of character. Um, and those tend to, you know, when you when you think of, you know, almost for lack of a better word, when you think of people who live like a noble life, they live a noble life because they feel deep contentment by being able to live nobly. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. So there'll be the there'll be the approach that really focuses in on character development, character expression, and being being a virtuous person, and that that is in its own expression of how we best flourish, um, both as individuals and as society. As we promote each other's virtuous expressions of our identities, um, we become flourishing individuals and a flourishing society. So there's sort of that one track. Another track that I'm familiar with are the, are, is sort of a more psychological track where you think about having a life of deep psychological me meaning that also encompasses things that are like short-term happiness events. And then over this sort of this long-term happiness, the, the words that they use are really somewhat at times complicated, but really you're looking at how you feel subjectively well and objectively well. Subjectively meaning in the moment, feeling well and happy and content and objective is not so much meant on moment to moment happiness, but that deeper sense of contentment um, that I hinted at earlier. So there's that combination of feeling content and then also experiencing moments of happiness. And then the, the last objective sort of combines the two, where there's a balance between character and mental health, physical health, financial health, and it, and it really gets into a lot of the same domains that when we talk about the domains of well-being. Um, so there's usually five or six domains that all sort of need to find a, a good level of expression in your entity, meaning like if you, if you struggle to maintain your physical health, you might really struggle to reach a place of flourishing. And so it's this this ability to have these five or so domains reach an appropriate level of contentment that you then begin to be fulfilled. Right. And you and I had had a previous conversation about well-being and flourishing and sort of that flourishing is different, but certainly can't exist without some level of well-being, right? Like you were saying, um, some focus on those domains and, and nurturing self and self-care. Yeah, I think if you're, you know, just if you are consistently unhappy or unsatisfied, it would be a real challenge over a long period of time to feel like you're flourishing. So I think flourishing individuals can endure periods of where they're really challenged, but yet get great reward out of that challenging experience. But then I also think we need to build on the the skills that we learn from well-being and wellness, which really begin to give us that opportunity to, to think sometimes a little bit more in the need of the moment. Right. 
I also love that idea that flourishing is unique in the way that it has that collective we, not just me, but us. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? So some of that and, and all of the folks within the flourishing perspectives, if I can use that term, really see flourishing as a me and we aspect. Um, so if it's all just about me feeling well and me doing my job well and me making the people who are my bosses feel like I'm performing well, um, it, it tends to lose the greater sort of sense of good and that deep contentment of reaching sort of your best version of yourself as a human. And it, I think all aspects of flourishing rely upon sort of the innate human need to both receive compassion and express compassion. And so there's that me and we aspect to flourishing that I, I think sometimes well-being tries to get at. It just doesn't emphasize it to the same extent. Um, and I think some aspects of flourishing also may not emphasize it to the same degree that those folks who tend to see flourishing as both individual and societal, um, there are some who would be like, hey, if you, if you can really get your own flourishing well, then it'll, if everybody gets their own flourishing well, you can almost argue then that means societal get its own flourishing well. Right. I tend to prefer the camps that think of, of my, one of my life purposes is not only just to get the best version of myself expressed, but how can I help those around me? How can I express my compassion to those around me so that they can also get the best versions of their selves expressed? Um, so that sort of gets into that virtue aspect of humanity. Great. It also makes me think of, I've been focusing on the eight dimensions of wellness um, at this time. And I'm thinking about whenever I talk about the environmental dimension, obviously that's how our environment exists regardless of us. But I think about the way that we interact with our environment and those around us and how we might be contributing and ideas of that nature. And it really makes me think about that. And of course, social as well. Well, and a lot of the researchers in the field of flourishing, while they acknowledge there's a lot that we need to do to figure out how to make individuals flourish, they, they fall into that same camp of our bigger question is, what can we do to the environments around us to make sure that those environments promote flourishing as well? Um, and, you know, hopefully this won't take us too far off, of course, but, you know, if, if I am placed in a really negative life environment or maybe even a really toxic environment that can be really challenging for anyone or any one of us together to flourish under those sort of very toxic conditions yes so moving tracks a little bit specifically to mcw students i know you've shared with me in past conversations about students transitioning to medical school becoming medical learners and what does it mean to flourish within that context do you have any thoughts there you know, that's, that's part of, I think, a real growing area for all of us in medical education. I think one of the things that helps medical students, I'm hoping it's one of the things that helps medical students begin to flourish to a greater extent, is really beginning to have a good concept of self-awareness. And so that they can take a moment to be mindful enough of themselves to know when they need to do the sort of things that we just talked about at the beginning of our session, like how much sleep am I getting? Am I really being effective or am I just being busy? How am I best gifted 
within the fields of medicine to become the best future version of myself. And so I think beginning to develop that sense of self-awareness and self-assessment is really helpful in taking the time to flourish because those steps then lead to you to ask some of those reflective questions of, so why should I become a particular type of physician? Why, why would I become a pediatrician? What, what evidence do I have about myself and the world around me that tells me that this specialty is a good future version of myself, or even to examine particular situations and to say, if you're, if you're sort of like in the character development camp, how did I express gratitude today? Or how did I show my resilience and what character strengths do I need to work on to help improve my resilience in a very demanding field? Um, I'm, I'm always impressed with the amount of empathy when you think about the field of being a physician has to come in through day in and day out because the people who come to see you are seeing you because they're experiencing a really negative life moment and they're asking you for help. And so that constant need to be compassionate, to express empathy, to be in situations of what I call human trauma and human tragedy, I think really helps our students begin to flourish if they can begin to develop some of those self-assessment, self-awareness, self-reflection skills so that they can always begin to ask themselves, how do I need to grow in this moment so that I can meet the challenges placed before me? Yes. So ha having frequent opportunity for, it sounds like formal and informal self-reflection. I, I was listening to a podcast recently that is medical students, and they were sharing their experience actually with reflective writing. And they had someone on who was basically saying that as long as reflective writing has a clear objective, and I think here we're talking about a very clear objective, um, that it can be wonderful. And that oftentimes reflective writing might be put out there without that, without that clear objective necessarily. And then I think it's hard to see the value in it. Agreed. I think reflection. So just like we talk about survey fatigue, I think it's easy to have our students get reflection fatigue because we, mm -hmm. you know, we throw a lot of topics out there. So I, I, I have come to be of the opinion that reflections need to matter to yes. what the student experience is. And that, that can be really hard to, that can be really hard to get at because here's where the challenge with flourishing. And when we talk about medical students, there's a high degree of autonomy. Um, the things that I might need to flourish might not relate to the next person at all. And they may need something different, but I think we all need the space, the, the time in our events to do that self-evaluative process. Um, I've, I've even been challenging myself to think through, um, while I'm a big fan of reflective writing and reflective narrative, I also recognize that some people are just really exhausted at the end of the day. And the thought of having to do a reflective narrative can be like, oh, this is just so overwhelming. I just want to not waste, you know, I got something else to do. And maybe, th it, maybe this is a place where technology or getting together with friends and just discussing reflective moments together as a group and finding a way to use our phone to capture some of those moments um, might be a way to make reflection feel a little less arduous at times. So what I'm talking about is potentially thinking through scenarios that matter 
that would have us discuss and reflect as a group. Because I think a lot of reflection happens in the context of our friends, but we, we sort of discount it and then we don't track it because the I think the real thing that makes reflective work helpful is if you can reflect on those reflections multiple times and you sort of get this long picture story of, oh, all of these three, four, five, six events are connected and here's how they are informing me on what the next best version of my future self could be. Yes, I think that's great. And so then, um, Dr. Fritz, I am going to share in the show notes the few resources that you sent me, the building character in higher ed, promotion of human flourishing. Otherwise, where might students find more good information on the concept of flourishing besides what I'm sharing in the show notes today? So the there's a there's a number of really good centers that do flourishing. There's a great human flourishing center at Harvard University that has a number of really great things on their site. Um, and also sometimes it's just fun to be curious. So maybe just throw human flourishing into your search engine and see where it leads you. Um, some interesting things that I always keep my eye on is the, the folks at Gallup have done a well-being sort of survey forever. Um, and you might be interested to explore the well-being engagement paradox of 2020, uh, just to sort of see how um, we've been tracking well-being and flourishing over a long period of time within our own country. Great, thank you. And if students are so inspired and they have additional questions or wanna reach out to you, where can students find you or what's the best way to contact you? Probably the easiest way to contact me is with my email. I will share it in the show notes. Great, because it comes up on my phone just as fast as the text does. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Fritz, for being here. I really appreciate it. I think this was a great conversation. Cool. And you let me know if we need to modify or revisit at any time. Thank you for the time. Yeah, perfect. Thanks.